Good morning. So glad that everybody's here. We've been in this teaching series. We started it last week, but I know some of you are still kind of on the holiday traveling last week. Uh, we're in this new teaching series called Dissecting Sunday. And our goal basically is to kind of uh, peel back the, the veneer of the Sunday morning experience and say, why do we do all the different things we do on a Sunday morning? Last week we talked about the concept of worship. And this week we're talking about the idea of preaching. Like, why do we preach? Why is there preaching? Uh, so if you're just joining us, maybe it's the first uh, time since you've been back since the holidays. Maybe, maybe you're just here for the first time. You've never been to church before in your life, or you're just here because, man, part of your New Year's resolution is to be back in a church a little bit. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, I think this teaching series will be a great one for all of us. Because it's important to ask that question, why do we do what we do? We don't want to be these zombie drones walking around just doing something because it's what we do. There needs to be purpose behind it. And as we get in today and talking about preaching and the idea of why we have preaching, I want to share something with you that I've shared before, uh, and it's this. Um, I never wanted to be a preacher. Like it was never, as a child, nope. <laughs> nope, didn't want to do that as a teenager. Definitely nope, like triple nope, never going to be a, a preacher. Uh, as, 10 years ago. I, I didn't see myself as the guy, the pastor, preacher, weekly teacher guy. There's a lot of reasons. Some of them are good reasons. Some of them are bad reasons, whatever. But maybe one of the biggest reasons that I had was, what am I going to talk about? Like, I don't know. I mean, I could see maybe pull together like one good like speech, you know, and say it. And then you spend that one. Then what do you do next week? Like, it's gone. Like, I just, and I see these incredible teachers that are like every single week, they come up with these ideas and these things to say. And, and I just, I, I didn't see that ever happening for me. What would I talk about? I, I don't like listening to my voice on a voicemail. Like, I can't imagine anyone wanting to sit listening longer than that, right? There's all these things. So, but I am now, right? I've been doing it. So as we're talking about preaching this week, I thought I'd let you in on a little secret about preaching. Uh, and it's this analogy that, that I've heard. It's interesting. Um, I think preaching is similar in some ways to giving birth. Ladies, if you've had a baby, don't stone me yet. Okay, I know it's like way different. Okay, but, but seriously, there are some concepts of preaching. And let, let me explain like why. Because at some point, an idea is formed somewhere in my mind. I heard it somewhere, or, or, or I had the idea, or maybe like I was inspired, and like, wow, that's just this idea that I came up with or whatever. I'm reading in the Bible. That's the best place to find ideas for preaching, by the way. And this little idea begins to grow, right? This little seed of an idea begins to grow. And so let's say uh, on a Monday, I begin to nurture this idea. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about this coming Sunday. So I begin to nurture this idea. It begins to grow, and it begins to grow inside of me, and it begins to take on like a personality of its own. You ever feel that little kick? You're like, oh, yeah, this one's going to be feisty, right? Or this one's not going to be so good, right? You never know. Um, it, it give me indigestion from time to time. That's another thing that's similar to having a baby. But this thing is like, it, it's, it's growing, it's growing, growing. And then Sunday comes, and I come to church, and I get to stay on the stage, and I get to finally deliver my baby, right? And put it out there and say, this is it. It's here. And like any good dad, like I hope that people like it, right? <laughs> hope you like my baby. I hope it's well received, but even more, like I hope that it challenges people. And I hope that it allows people to grow and, and all these things. And so it's there. And, and like kids, some are better than others, right? But then the day is over, okay? And I go home. I'm tired. <laughs> and I go to sleep thinking, wow, that happened, right? Only to wake up on Monday morning the next day to realize, oh, shoot. I'm pregnant again. I've got to do this all over again. Like, and so there's this phrase that preachers use, Sunday's coming. Like it always comes. No matter, like Thursday, I'm like, I don't want it to come this week. Sorry. Like the calendar already decided. There's going to be a Sunday, and it comes every single week. But here's something that I found, okay, because that initial, that initial thought that I used to have, like, what am I going to say? 
how am I going to say it? I have found that the more that I preach, the more I love it. The more I really enjoy digging in, I find that there are endless things to say about God's love and God's truth. And so over the course since this church began, I've been able to deliver like 200 sermon babies to this community. And we, we've been able to see them kind of grow in our lives. It's, a, it's an interesting analogy. And I, I say it that way because I think on some level there's this fear of wanting to, to share and to speak and to preach. But on the other side, like anyone who's ever had a child, you realize that it's totally worth it. It's totally worth the effort and the fear and even the pain of the labor to produce this thing because as it enters into the world, the world begins to become a different place. Um, When we look at preaching and as we dissect Sunday, what we're going to do is realize that the preaching part on a Sunday morning and even during the rest of the week has a huge role to play as we grow in our faith as we take steps towards God, as we learn about truth and we learn to live in his light and in his love. And so let's ask this question, why preach? Why preach? So that's what we're getting into today. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about preaching a couple different times, but one of the places that's the coolest is in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. You can look it up right now if you want to. We're going to be in a bigger chunk of scripture later. This scripture will just be right on the screen behind me. Romans 10, 14, Paul says this about preaching. He says, how then can they call on the one in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? There it is right there in Romans 10. Paul gives us the purpose, the meaning of preaching. He says, like, basically, if we don't preach, people won't hear. And if people don't hear, they won't believe because they will never have an opportunity. Like, what should I believe? If they don't believe, then they won't have the opportunity to interact with God in the way that I think most of us in this room have been able to experience. It'll never happen unless someone preaches. And guess what? Preaching is not all that we give it credit for. It's so much more. Uh, It's not just a pastor guy standing on a stage on a Sunday. It's so much more. The word preaching, it comes from a Greek word, and the word, the definition and the meaning behind the word is, is broader than that. The word preaching basically means to proclaim, to proclaim something. And we're pretty good at that, right? We proclaim things all the time. So go Cowboys, or your team, respectfully, right? We do it all the time, and we preach. We're like, I proclaim that. That's my thing. That's what I want to talk about. And, and we're good at it. We proclaim it with bumper stickers. We proclaim it with T-shirts. We proclaim stuff with Facebook posts, with letters we write to each other, which is things we say in passing. We proclaim it. And uh, so, so we preach. We already preach. Just like last week when we talked about worship, I said last week, everyone worships. And we're really good at it. Everyone preaches. And we're, we're really good at it. Like it or not, though, your life is a sermon. You are a preacher. And if you are a Christian this morning, if you have the light of Jesus in your life, listen to this, your life may be the only sermon that some people ever hear. Your life may be the only Bible that some people ever read because of the things that you proclaim. The message of Jesus is interesting because it's not intuitive. You don't just figure out Jesus. The message of Jesus is not some elevated sense of morality that you could just kind of just ascertain by sitting in a, a field in Namaste, you know, and like be like, oh, and then Jesus comes on you. It doesn't, because this is why. Because Jesus is something that happened in history. This, the message, the good news of Jesus is about an event. A guy who died and rose from the dead. That happened. And a person, Jesus, God in the flesh, who actually lived and and. History is not intuitive. It must be told for people to know about it. That's why preaching is so valuable. But the question that we ask this morning is, how are we going to tell? 
Who are we going to tell? That is preaching. So like always, I want to... dive into the Bible. Uh, we look at the Bible for answers to life's most important questions. If you've got a Bible today, go ahead and open it up, grab it. You can use it on your device and scroll down also. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Acts this morning. If you're in the New Testament, you're in the back third of the Bible, and this is the whole uh, period of time that involves Jesus and the church, okay, the last third of your Bible. And Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts is a history book. It's the history of the first church. And so we learn a lot of things about how church functions and how they set it up and everything back then. Um, So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to run into one of the apostles that doesn't get a lot of stage time. His name is Philip, but he was a pretty powerful, awesome dude. Philip, Acts chapter 8. And I think we're going to see a story in Philip's life that we can all apply to our own lives as we dissect Sunday and say, why do we do what we do? Why do we preach? And what part do I play? What does that mean to me? So Acts chapter 8. Grab a Bible, look. It'll also be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, we have free ones that we give away. There's some underneath the chairs. And so make sure you grab one and keep it if you need a Bible. We want everyone to have good Bibles. As we look at Philip's story, we're going to look at four steps. Four steps that we can all learn as it comes to what does it mean to let my life be a sermon. All right? So let's look at this story first, though. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. It says this. Now, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, remember we talked about Philip, he's an apostle, this is an angel from God, comes to him, this is what he says, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which which means the queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, This guy was... Uh, a high official, government official. He worked under uh, the queen of Ethiopia. And one thing that many times a man that would work under like a high-level female dignitary like that, they would be made eunuchs uh, to prevent you know, funny business, you know. And so it, you don't Google that. You don't want to know. But it's just, you know, it's, it's, that's why he's a eunuch. That's why I mentioned I'm going to call him the Ethiopian. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, which is interesting. He must have had... Um, some Jewish faith for him to be an Ethiopian man who travels all the way to Jerusalem is interesting. And in verse 28, we see some things. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip runs up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. So Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. We actually still have the book of Isaiah's writings in our new, in our American English Bibles. Uh, you can read it today. Uh, Isaiah has long been probably one of the most read books of the Bible. And it's got a lot of prophecy in it, specifically about the Messiah, about the Savior that God was going to send. And so we pick it up in the second half of that verse. Philip asked the guy in the chariot, the Ethiopian guy, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So this Ethiopian is reading this section of Isaiah. We're just going to kind of skip past that. You can read it on your own. But he's reading a section of Isaiah that actually talks about the Messiah. And this is interesting. It very graphically depicts the, the crucifixion of what would end up being Jesus. But it was written 700 years before the events ever happened. And so Philip hears this thing. He's like, oh, man, that's one of my favorite stories. I would love to talk to you about it. And so the eunuch asked Philip in verse 34. He says, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? He's talking about himself? Is he talking about someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. This is a cool moment for Philip because I'm thinking it's, it's like this guy is reading from Isaiah. He's reading a passage about the Messiah, and Philip's thinking, can I tell you about that? Dude, I know that guy. 
I met him. He, he actually has been here. That's Jesus. He's a personal friend of mine. I saw this moment that was prophesied 700 years ago. I saw it play out. And guess what? I saw him rise from the dead. What? It's an amazing story. So he climbs up and he begins teaching him about uh, Jesus. In, in uh, verse 36, it says, As they traveled along the road, then they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. All right, so we read the story. Uh, if you're a note taker, you're going to want to grab a pen and pencil right now or get your note apps out. Because what we're going to look at is four, I think, vital yet very simple steps that we can all take as we seek to say, what does it mean to let my life be the type of life that glorifies God, my life that preaches a sermon. Okay, so we're going to look at four of those. I'm just going to jump right into them. Here's the first thing that we see as we see Philip's story unfold. First, Philip was available. Philip was available. Look back at verse 26. It said this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Listen to this sentence. So he started out. He started out, Philip was available. He didn't know where he was going when this angel shows up to him. He didn't know why he was going. But when God opened the opportunity, he was like, all right, I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm headed, but if this is where I feel led to go, this is where I'm going to go. Um, I don't know if this occurs to you as you read the story, but maybe Philip had plans this evening, right? He might have had some plans. He might have wanted to go do something with his friends. You know, who knows? Like, but he said, all right, here's an opportunity. Whatever I had planned, I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to do what I feel like God wants me to do. He was available. Okay, here's a little lesson I think we can all learn from this, because I've been here. You may not feel, feel emotionally or psychologically ready to talk to somebody about your faith. I think we're all in that boat at different places. I am all the time. Like, there's a days where I'm, just, I'm really not up to it right now. I'm not, they got something going on right now, and if I butt into that, they're just going to reject me to the curb, okay? And so there's all these reasons, and, and I think a lot of times we, we have these abilities that we don't, we're uncertain about. Like, we might feel like, well, what if I'm not able to explain explain it good enough, or what if I'm not able to say it right, or what if I'm not able to answer questions people have, what if I'm not able to even speak it clearly, like I just kind of really look awkward, because I was going to try to do this big faith move, and then I just, uh, yeah, yeah, you too, right, and you, I don't know what to do, maybe you don't feel able, um, I found that it, it, when it comes to our, our, our willingness to do this stuff for God, it's not so much about your ability, it's about your availability, it's not so much about your ability, it's about your availability. And let me just show you this in your own life. Like, think back, go on a little journey down memory lane. Think back to the most influential people in your life. Maybe your parents, maybe a coach or a teacher or a mentor. Now, think about the person who has most influenced you. Maybe it's two or three different people. And if you went right now and you went and sat with them when they were 20 years old or however old, and you said, listen, one day you are going to completely influence me. You're going to impact my life so much. There's a good chance, if you're a parent, you know this, or a teacher or anything, there's a good chance that person would go, I don't think that I'm that person. I'm probably not able to really impact your life. I don't even know. Like, they didn't give me a degree in influence when I went to college. Like, I don't even know. But the truth is, it wasn't their ability that influenced you so much. It was their availability. It was the fact that they were willing to be there, to listen, to talk, to answer your questions, maybe just to sit quietly in long car rides. It was their availability. Here's the challenge that I want us to maybe start this week, especially if you're someone who we, we say we, you know, we want to be God chasers. If you're a God chaser this week, this is something I want to challenge you to do this week. Maybe say a prayer that goes similar to something like this. God, I want to be available to you so that I might show someone else to you. 
See, our availability doesn't have to be available to that person because often they'll misuse that availability. They'll take advantage of it. They won't appreciate it. We're not open ourselves to the availability to those persons necessarily, but to God. God, show me the opportunities. Here's the thing. I've experienced this firsthand. I'm not just, this isn't just some sort of platitude. This is serious in my life. When I've opened my heart and said, God, I'm available. I am available. This crazy thing starts happening. People start being laid on your heart. You begin to care about specific people and their needs and what they desire in this world. And suddenly this, this urgency in your life begins to develop. You're like, you know, I want to be there. And you start to see these opportunities to just be with them. Maybe not right up. 30-minute sermon, but to stand with them and be with them through life. And it all began when you're just like, God, I'm available to you. And then he, he will come to you and say, all right, good on this road. This is your opportunity. All because you decided to be available. So that's what we see in Philip, first of all. He was available. The next thing we see Philip doing, uh, we've seen in verse 30, but this is, the, this is the thing. We see that Philip asked simple questions. He asked simple questions. So I'm sitting there with this person, what do, I, what do I do now? Like, the opportunity is there, what do I do? Well, Philip asked simple questions. We see what he did in verse 30. He ran up to the chariot, which, if you're worried about looking awkward, um, don't worry, this dude is chasing a chariot. So it's like, it's going to get awkward sometimes. But he, he runs up to the chariot, he hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he just simply says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He just asked a simple question. So you meet these people, you're available to them, uh, now what? You know, God can do some powerful, amazing things with simple questions. He can. I can't tell you how many deep conversations I've had with someone that started days before with me simply asking a question like, so you lived in Wilmington long? Cool. Or, ah, Steelers fan, eh? Cool. Yeah, good game last week. Simple question. Whatever's, whatever's there. Whatever seems common. Simple, simple questions. You want to get to know someone, ask them simple questions. This is, by the way, like friendship making 101, how to make friends and influence people, whatever that is like. Like just start with the simple stuff. You don't have to get deep with people. Start with simple questions because here's the thing. I believe this. I believe that people want to engage with other people. They want to. They want to know that someone cares enough to ask how their day is. They want to know, oh, man, how's your wife doing? How's the baby? How's your new job? Simple, simple questions. And then you'll find something happens as you're available. And you've got this burden on your heart, say, for John at the gym. I see John every day. You're like, you know what? I'm going to see John today when I get to the gym. I need to make sure I just get to know him some. Let me start with simple questions. And you don't know what to ask. It's totally not lame to plan ahead. Think about it. What's John into? John's a mechanic. That's right. John's a mechanic. Maybe we could talk about cars. Hey, I've been, I got this clicking thing happened in my motor. Like, what's that about? Next thing you know, you become friends. You built a relationship. So, you become available. You ask simple questions. And then Philip does this next thing that we often skip, okay? This is the third step he takes. Philip listened. He listened. He asked questions to this guy, but he doesn't just talk, 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 talk. When you think preaching, you might think talk, 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 talk. Maybe because I've been guilty of that on stage, right? But you just listen. Let's listen to how he does in verse 31. He's like, do you understand what you're reading? And, Philip, and the guy says, well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So then he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. And then what the guy in the carriage does is he begins to talk. He says, listen, this is what I'm reading. This is the thoughts I'm having. He's like, is this, is this guy talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? He starts asking all these questions. And the Ethiopian man listens. You know what the hardest part about listening is? The hardest part about listening is listening takes time. Doesn't it? Maybe you didn't hear me because you weren't listening. You know what the hardest part about listening is? Listening takes time. It does because like, it takes as long as it takes. It just, it, it takes time. You can't listen quick. Uh, this whole process of slowing down to listen, like it clashes with our lifestyle and our culture 
all the time. You ever had a conversation with somebody, and they're, like, giving you way too many details? You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, no, I told, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, do you hear me? I said I know what you're saying, so really, we could be done by now. Could you speed it up a little bit, right? And you have these conversations. I listen to a lot of audiobooks while I travel, and uh, I love that I can put the audiobooks on, uh, like, 1.5 times speed. You can listen to it faster. You really can speed up listening to that, but not with people. You can't. You can't. you got to take the time to listen. Listening takes time. And this is the thing. When you take time to listen, to get to know someone, to really care and hear them, what begins to happen is that you have become available. You've asked simple questions. You've listening. You've listened. And while you're listening, you can finally be- begin to hear what it is that the person needs in their life. Just by listening. You begin to hear about the person's hurting. You begin to hear about their brokenness. You begin to hear about what their questions of life are. This is where you begin to hear about the things that they love and the things that they celebrate, the good things too. You begin to get to know them, to genuinely care about them. And it's then that when you begin to develop this genuine care for someone, while you're listening, something's going to happen. They're going to at some point express some form of question, okay? It's going to be maybe just overtly a question like, hey, I got a question. Or it might just be like, this is going on, and eh, what do I do? And you'll get to this place, and when it happens, I want you to tell me about it someday. It might be this week. It might be six months from now. I want you to tell me about it because I want to hear the stories. It's happened to me. The answer to the question that they say will be Jesus. And they're just like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do with that. What is this? And whether, I believe that any conversation, no matter what it's about, whether it's about politics, whether it's about finances, whether it's about family, whether it's about work, all these things, I believe all of them eventually aim back at Jesus. And you could come to this point as you're listening, and you're like, oh, my goodness. I know what you need. I know what you need. Now, for Philip, it happened like within, I guess, in a few minutes, maybe a few hours. He's in this chariot ride, and it just, it just happens quickly. For you... It may take days. It may take weeks. You might have been with someone for years, and you're still trying to kind of get through that outer, that outer layer of them. But it'll happen. And when you get there, when they learn that you care enough to listen, they're going to care enough to hear what you have to say. Philip was available. Philip asked simple questions. He listened. And then when the opportunity came, look at this fourth thing. Philip preached Jesus. Philip preached Jesus. He, he didn't talk about his psychologist. He didn't talk about... He didn't promote his church, which was a pretty cool church, by the way, the very first one. It was in Jerusalem. He didn't like say, man, you got to meet my pastor. By the way, his pastor was this guy named Peter, who was the very first pastor ever. Like, he didn't preach any of those things. He didn't send him to some self-help book. He preached Jesus. Let's look at what he did in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told the man the good news about Jesus. The good news. I could talk a lot more about this, but it's pretty simple. Philip started right with where they were. For this guy, it happened to be he was reading an Old Testament prophet. Uh, it's unlikely that you're going to run into a lot of people doing that in carriages these days. I'll tell you, because I've seen it. You start right where someone already is. Whatever their question is, whatever their doubt is, whatever their celebration is, start right there. And from that place, you can preach Jesus. Man, my bills are really piling up. Oh, man, I had another big fight with my husband last night. and it's, I don't know what's going on. Whew. Some days I just can't get motivated to do anything. You've heard these types of things come to your friends, right? Bad news, man. My, my dad was just diagnosed with cancer. And in those moments, suddenly, the chance has come to give that friend what they don't even realize their soul is calling out for. You get to lead them to Jesus. 
Because Jesus gives us something that nothing else can give. Jesus gives us hope. Real, lasting, eternal hope. Something beyond the here and now. The promise of a relationship with the God who created us. Hope. And we can lead them to that place. You start right there with that moment and you tell them about Jesus. And I'm not saying uh, re-preach the sermon that you heard on Sunday. But here's, here's an idea. Ah, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Man, do you mind if, can I show you something that, that I've done when times have got tough for me? Um, I've just, my faith has helped me get through. And I don't know, for me, it's just Jesus. Suddenly, you're not reading them scripture even. All you're doing them is telling them what God has done for you. And here's what's crazy, because a lot of your friends, and it's happened to me, and it might be something you hear in this room right now. And I want, I'm, if this is you, I'm totally glad you're here. You don't have to leave. But you might be someone who's like, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm not certain that Jesus is hope. I'm not certain that just Jesus is the answer. And so when you get to that, you know, you might see it as a wall, and you say, well, what do I do? What do I do when I hit that point? They don't believe that Jesus is the way. Here's what you do. You still preach Jesus because it still works. Just because someone's not sure that it's real or not sure that it's effective doesn't mean that it's not. And the best way to show them is with your own life. Well, yeah, I understand. I understand maybe you had a bad experience with church. I understand maybe you met some Christians who are hypocrites. I get it. I don't know about them, but what I do know is what Jesus has done for me. And because you were available, because you met them and asked questions, because you were willing to listen and hear them, they're going to care enough about you to say, man, really? Huh. And they might be willing to respond the same way this Ethiopian guy does, or it may take a little while later. But here's the truth. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And that is what we are to proclaim to the world. That's what we're supposed to preach. Jesus. Jesus, 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 and nothing else. Um, when it comes to Jesus and whether or not he's effective, let me just remind you of some things that Jesus said and some other Bible writers said about Jesus. Let's just kind of go through a couple of these. You know that Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus says. Does that sound like something that you're interested in? Rest? Peace? I bet your friends are. Did you know that, he's, that uh, in uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, it says... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go to John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And then Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says this about Jesus. Listen, cast all your anxiety on him. He's talking about Jesus. Because he cares for you. If you've ever had this question or your friend has, like, what do I do with this stress? What do I do with this anxiety? I can't get through today. Well, Jesus cares enough to carry it for you. Let's see what it looks like to dig into that together. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's one of my favorites. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And I don't know about you, but a lot of my life, I just needed a new start. Like I have screwed up too much. I've gone too far. I've crossed too many lines. And man, thank you, Jesus, that I can just have a new start. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Maybe that's something that your friend needs to hear. Uh, in John 3, 16 through 17, this is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love verse 17 because some people think that Jesus is all about condemning the world. It's all about, you know, hellfire and damnation. No, verse 17 says, no, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So why preach Jesus? Why? 
as we dissect church, as we understand the different pieces of what Christianity is, why preaching? Because Jesus brings new life. He brings healing. He brings peace. He brings hope. He brings rest. He brings love. And if you have seen any of these things in your life, if any of these things have been true for you, though your friend may have reason to doubt this whole Christianity, organized religion, Jesus thing, they'll have a hard time doubting what's different in your life because they've seen it. Because your life is the proclamation of what Jesus is. I love what Jesus says. He totally endorses this idea, by the way. He's like, yeah, your life can be the proclamation of who I am. Look at what he says uh, in the book of Matthew. He says, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good deeds and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. Let your life preach the sermon. Be available. Ask simple questions. Listen. Preach Jesus. And you can lead people into worshiping God. Those are the four things. I said we're going to unpack four things. Now, this story isn't over yet. Uh, there was one little section that we read earlier that I want to get back to and see how does that fit into our role as we kind of go into this world and try to shine light in dark places. These are the four best ex- four steps. But the circle isn't complete, and, and, the, and, and the, 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 the plan is not over until we see what uh, happens in verse 36. Philip takes one more step that we can all learn from. It says this in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized the man. We don't preach just to be heard. Like, it's not just to be a a, a talking head. This is where people have it wrong to stand on the street corners and just scream at people. Because it's not just a one-way microphone speaker situation. There's a dialogue there because there is a conversation that needs to happen that says, are you willing to go in on this? Like, Will you become a Jesus follower? Will you join me in this thing? We preach that people might believe and give their lives to Jesus. And so we're going to talk more about baptism later in this series because that's something you might have questions about. You might have grown up in a different uh, form of Christianity where maybe there's different forms of baptism, sprinkling or pouring, or maybe you get baptized right away, or maybe like we save it up and a bunch of people get baptized at once. Maybe you're baptized as a child. Like what what are all these different things? Well, the Bible does talk a lot about that. So we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But notice that as Philip taught Jesus to this guy and the guy believed, apparently at some point Philip said, listen, if this is what you believe, you need to be baptized. And the guy says, all right, well, there's water. What stops us from being baptized right now? He didn't wait until he got home. He didn't wait until next week, until his grandma could drive down from New Orleans and be there and take good pictures. Like He's like, right now, right now, let's do this right now. I think it's interesting that that happens. As you look at this story, you might fall in one of two different categories. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe, maybe you're kind of like Philip, and you're like, look, I get, I get the Jesus thing. I've committed my life to him, and I want other people to know. You might be here this morning. You might be feeling a little bit more like the Ethiopian guy. You're like, I don't know, I was just riding on a chariot. I showed up at his church today, and you know, you're talking about something. Kind of got my attention a little bit. I'm not sure how far I want to go into this thing. Maybe you feel more like that guy. I want to let you know this story's for you too. Because though you and I aren't sitting together over a cup of coffee right now talking, I can still preach Jesus to you. And I can say, listen, there's so much to learn about the love, the peace, the truth of Jesus. But him coming into your life is simple. It's simple. It's just you saying, man. God loved me enough to come down in the form of a human being, to give his life, to his life would take the place of my sin so that I could be connected with him. And so maybe that's you right now, and the decision that you're sitting at is like, hey, there's water. <laughs> What's preventing me from making this decision right now? 
If that's you and you're ready to jump all in and say, I, I, want, I want to become a Christian, today could be your day. In fact, come talk to me. We're not a huge group here today. Come flag me down before you leave and say, hey, listen, I, what you said got me. I'd like to talk more about baptism. We could talk about that. We could set it up for today. You might be a person who's like, I don't know. Like, I just kind of got on the chariot today, and I'm not even sure where this thing goes. Let me encourage you to do something. Just come back. Just come back and hang out with us some more. Figure out more about this Jesus. Figure out if it is something that you can believe in. That can be your step today. That's Philip's story. And, and I think as we dissect Sunday and we see the value of preaching, what we learn is it's so much more than just some time for a dude or a lady to stand on stage and just talk at somebody. It's so much more than that. It's to proclaim what God has done in your life. And so I want to ask you a few questions as we wrap up today. Just a few simple questions. Uh, if you're someone who likes to take something home with you and, and be challenged. The, the first question is this. What are you proclaiming with your life? If preaching is proclaiming, what are you proclaiming with your life? Really? Look at your schedule. Look at your, um, where you spend your money, where you spend your time, who you hang out with. Just ask, what do I proclaim in my life? If, if my kids are watching me right now, which, by the way, if you're a parent, they are, what's mom and dad about? If your coworkers see you and they're like, wait, you went to church yesterday? Huh. Right? You're curious. What are you proclaiming with your life? Other people probably know better than you do. It's important to know that. The other question is, if you're proclaiming Jesus... Who are you leading towards him? Because that's kind of all of our task. Preaching isn't just for the guy on stage. Thank goodness, because I'm not very good at it all the time. It's for each one of us as we step forward. And so really, right now, who are you leading to Jesus? Like, Is there someone in your life that you need to just become available to? Maybe God's already opened those opportunities. Uh, and, and if you have someone, where are you in the process? Where are you in the process of leading that person to Jesus? Have you been available? Have you said, God, show me the opportunities? Have you asked simple questions, like begin to get to know them? Have you begun to listen, like get into their life and figure out what's going on for them? If you've done all that, have you taken the opportunity just to preach Jesus? Show them what God has done in your life? And maybe you have. Have you challenged them to become a Christian? Have you invited them to accept Jesus? Have you baptized them? You know, not just pastors can baptize people. You can. You don't even have to let me know about it. Dude, I baptized my friend the other day. I'd be like, sweet, that's awesome. It totally counts. It's the relationship between you and God. Where are you in the process? So as we wrap up, I just got this question that, that, I, that I started with. Why do we preach? Why do we preach? Well, how can they call on the one in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear unless someone is preaching to them? Let's go out this week and let's shine light into dark places. And let's let our lives be the sermons that point people to Jesus and to God's love. Uh, let's just pray together as we wrap that up. God, you're good. Uh, thank you for giving us your love. Thank you for giving us stories like Philip's as we just kind of dig into your word a little bit this morning and see. I know, you know Philip is an interesting story to me because of all the apostles. He doesn't, he doesn't get as much uh, stage time or as much mention in the Bible. Uh, but this story seems to be one that just really jumps out for him. And um, he would probably be blown away to think that 2,000 years later, we're talking about his story. Lord, I pray that each one of us has that kind of impact on this world, that we just do it because it's right, not because we want the, the attention or the credit. Lord, we give you all the credit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your message of hope. Thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen.